City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans and Swifties. Hello, my name's Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, but also I am now known as Anti-Hero Mondo, and I am joined by my friend Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar, but also known as Ready For It Reese. What's up, Ready For It Reese? How's it going, man? Say hello to all our Swifties out there. Hey Swifties, my favorite Taylor Swift memory is the 2014 Grammys where her team thought she was going to win Album of the Year for Red because Random Access Memories from Daft Punk won. So when they were announcing the winner of 2014 Album of the Year goes to Random Access Memories and when you hear the R phoneme, her crew literally like sits up and gets super excited for a second until they realize it wasn't them. Reese, you can't you can't make enemies for our new podcast members that are trying to learn about the Kansas City Chiefs. Reese, don't make a gripe with Taylor Swift already. Look, okay, it's me. Fine, I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> Shake it off, Reese. Shake it off. I'll do my best, but my window right now is like a rusty screen door. I had to take it off and replace it some more. <laughs> I don't know. That's one of her songs, right? Is that really you? You know more about her songs than I think you do. Are you? I, are 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 you a secret Swifty? Well, I remember her. Taylor Swift's best song is the very first thing she charted with, which is that our song is a rusty screen door sitting on your window, and you're standing alone and you talk real slow because it's late and your mama don't know. You don't know that song? I, think I was riding so. shotgun with my hair undone in the front seat of his car. Back when she was like country Taylor? Wow, I don't remember that. What? Dude, that's like, well, I know it's not her biggest song anymore, but that's the song that I fell in love with Taylor Swift on. Wow. I mean, I know Shake It Off and the one she did with Kendrick Lamar. She, wait, she did one with Kendrick Lamar? Yeah, she does. Uh, she did something with Kendrick that always pops up on my Spotify. Uh, I forgot what it was called. Uh, Let's see, Taylor Swift and Kendrick Lamar. Bad, oh, Bad Blood. Wait, that was Kendrick Lamar on that one? Yeah, he's on that. Because now we got Bad Blood. And then Kendrick, yeah, Kendrick has like this, like, um, uh, has like a couple verses that are actually, you know, not like Kendrick, but he tries to like, you know, be in the style of Taylor Swift. Huh. Interesting. Are you sure she didn't have like a guest verse on these walls? <laughs> she had it on Humble, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that that actually wasn't Rihanna. That was Taylor Swift. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that. Totally forgot about that. Yeah. But so yeah, what what do you think? Antihero Mondo and ready for it? Question mark Reese. Yeah, let's, let's be real, guys. Let's be real. Uh, I'm happy Taylor was part of Chiefs Nation. I'm happy that Travis is part of the Swifty Brigade. Uh, they're both. They, has anyone called him the king and queen of Arrowhead yet? No, but they they should. I know everyone keeps talking about her three day uh, her three day extravaganza at Arrowhead. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it was a pretty big deal, dude. Like she took and over now, is, Kansas. Is that City. a big deal because Taylor Swift normally doesn't do a three day concert tour in in one city? Uh, that it's like the only cities that I think she had more than two concerts in were Kansas City. Like L.A., she was there for like a week. I think New York, she did four or five shows. But other than that, off the top of my head, I can't name you a place oh, in the county. Wow, camp. shout out Kansas City. All right, cool. So maybe it was meant to be then. Maybe her like PR, her publicist was like, 
yeah, maybe maybe this is going to be good for your career because it's good for for Travis Kelsey's career, whose jersey sales have gone up four hundred percent in one day. Reese, that's crazy. That's not insane. even twenty four hours from the game. His jersey sales went up four hundred percent. Do we know what percent of jersey sales players actually get? No. Huh. We'll have to look that up. We'll have to look that up. No, it's interesting. I think I think Taylor took over Kansas City the way she did because much like uh, Garth Brooks, she's she's like this crossroads where kind of like country meets pop meets you know rural meets towny and all mm-hmm. that stuff. That just and screams then, Kansas City. Exactly. And when you think about it too, like Kansas City. It's like two and a half hours away from Des Moines, two and a half hours away from Omaha, probably the closest to St. Louis for a St. Louis concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Wichita is two and a half hours away. Tulsa's three hours away. Like, th- I, I get it. Those places aren't Philadelphia, but those are all, you know, metropolitan areas of about a sure. million people. Millions take. of people, yeah. So, like, the nearest concert's going to be Kansas City. It's going to be cheaper in Kansas City. It's going to be better weather in Kansas City. It was just the perfect storm. I tell you what, girl took over Kansas City for like three days. And I have to give her props to that because it was kind of cool to have like something going on that had that much electricity in the city. So props, Taylor. And she she travels all over the place, you know, to London, to New York, to L.A., but she spends the night with Travis Kelsey. Did you mm. did, did you see did you see the uh, there were some funny Twitter moments where they were like and Taylor Swift cries and then Travis Kelsey goes. So that was a quick trip. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's pretty good. Hey, speaking of Just emotions, like I have to say. Like one prop to Taylor was that she was actually watching slash invested in the game. Like when there was a big Chiefs play, particularly the Kelsey touchdown, like she was up right away. She wasn't on her phone. She wasn't yeah. chit chatting with people around her. She wasn't looking for the camera. No, she reacted like a sports fan. So if anything, I don't think Swifties adopted Travis Kelsey. I think sports fans adopted Taylor Swift. Wow. Yeah, I mean, in, in comparison to someone like Kim Kardashian or someone like, you know, I don't know, um, or someone like LeBron James, where they try to make this persona of being you know, a distant person or someone not really in it, where I think that's why Taylor Swift is so successful, is because she's the like she's the people's people, you know, she's the people's person, where she whatever she's doing, whether she was at the VMAs going like dancing like crazy or you know or at the Chiefs game, she was genuinely having fun. Reese, how long do you think they've been dating? She was sitting with Mama Kelsey. You don't well, you don't sit with Mama Kelsey after one date with Travis. This is what's so funny, though, is that, and I said this in the group chat, it's like, are are they actually dating, dating, or is, like, she just in on the joke that, you know, Travis slash his brother kind of started a few months ago, started running with it, and, you know, she was kind of like, you know what, yeah, he's kind of cute, I'll go to, I'll go watch a game, you know, I like Kansas City, you know, his his mom's fun, this was a good time, you know, it was just a date. You know what I'm they're saying? Abs- no, they're absolute. They've absolutely been dating for months. I think. Yo, I they're think, an item. 
I think right after the summer tour when he tried to, you know, send the bracelet over or whatever in June and July, I'm sure they started um, to at least contact each other in August because you don't sit with someone's mom for jokesies or like, maybe I'll give this a shot. They totally have to have been, you know, seeing each other or at least texting or at least some sort of communication because you would you would never see like your you know your girlfriend's parents or vice versa after one date there's no way and if you're taylor swift i mean i suppose he's the time taken up but there's never enough you know what i'm saying (laughs) you know i think there's a lot of blank space in there reese and it was a it, it was an absolute cruel summer love story for travis kelsey but i think at the end they 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 belong to each other Oh my gosh. I think we, I think we got to leave it with that one. And I knew that we were in trouble, Reese, when we hired William Grundler for Grundler's numbers cuz we have some stats, Reese. We got Uh-oh. some stats about Taylor Swift and her boyfriends and the success that her boyfriends had after dating Taylor Swift. So, we have this from our analytics department. William Grundler, the, our our analytics head of Fountain City Sports Media. Taylor Swift dated Calvin Harris from 2015 to 2016. What happened during that time? He has his highest rated album on Pitchfork, according to Pitchfork, um, called Fun Wave Bounces Volume 1. And that was his highest rated album. After that, 2016, she has a three-month stint with Tom Hiddleston. What happens there? Well, he, he has his Golden Globe winning work during this time, as well as a Laurence Olivier Award, which came during his relationship and then lastly we have the joe alwyn from 2016 to 2023 well we all know that he had a lot of accolades during that time as well so what can we glean from this is that travis kelsey is gonna cook during his dating stint or maybe even longer with taylor swift as we saw today as we saw on sunday a touchdown 69 yards and a pretty easy emphatic win for the kansas city chiefs reese i think we got a good luck charm for him and also for the for the city of kansas city reese i think i think there's going to be a lot of financial benefit for us here so call it call it a win-win let me try to put a taylor swift song in there i'm going to shake off any of the bad news because this is going all too well it's gorgeous no karma dude red (laughs) sorry reese how's how's your week been other than all this taylor swift drama what's going on man dude my week's been fine my week's been fine uh you know it's Bowie can hear me in the other room, so he's, he's whining. Uh, Armando <laughs> saw the trials and temptations of Bowie not wanting to leave the podcasting studio it was, earlier. It was, it was it was quite the like clown cartoon Benny Hill moment. It was wonderful. Dude, Bowie's such a goober. Uh, I just spent all weekend painting again. Uh, we're closing in. We basically have the hallway and the guest room left to paint, and then painting on the interior will be done. And then we can it's focus exciting. on the then we can focus on the bathroom that's still just a giant literal hole in the wall. So that's kind of our next next big focus. But, but you have like, but the master the master bath is like solidified, right? It's just that one bathroom, is that right? Now nah, we're gonna have to take up the master bath as well. With all the love in the world, mm-hmm. the master bath like is the definition of the term water closet. You ever heard that before? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's it's like super small. I can barely fit in it. It gets the job done. It's like there's a toilet and there's a shower, you know. But so no, you, the, 
the best bathroom is going to be the hallway bathroom the guests are going to use. That's the one that we're waiting to uh, sink our noise. teeth into. But noise. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. Things are coming along, and I've I've already seen sneak peeks of your basement or the um that half basement down there. It looks it looks great, man. You got a great setup. So nice, man. It's a it's a good time. I'm gonna have you over here. I'm gonna have some uh, more adventures over at my house. Heck yeah, man. Speaking about adventures, if anybody wants to donate so that we can have adventures on this podcast, build this podcast, build this brand, how can they donate on Patreon or follow us on social media? Man, if you want all the hot Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift gossip, you got to find us at patreon.com backslash FCSM. We will get outtakes, bonus episodes, an exclusive miniseries, including Speedy and Angry, our 11-part in-depth deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise, and to Swift a Mockingbird, our in-depth review of all of Taylor Swift's albums that were released in even years. So check us out at patreon.com backslash FCSM. Also give us a follow on Instagram. We are at Fountain City SM on Instagram, posting all those sweet memes and beer reviews and all that jazz. But also, don't forget to interact with us. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found. Give us a subscribe, give us a star rating, give us a comment. And if you're on Spotify, don't forget to check out this week's question as well as this week's survey. All right. Excellent. Reese, did you know that TMZ Kansas City is not taken yet? So if we have some Patreon donors that want to donate, I don't know, like 10000 a year, we'll go ahead and change our name from Fountain City Sports Media to TMZ KC. Okay, and just, okay. And just make it our life mission to find out every single thing that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are doing. Dude, we'll have to do that. Hey, uh, speaking of which, can I uh, go into this week's question and survey from Spotify? Let's hear it. So this past week, we asked the question to our listeners, what should we call Will Grundler's weekly analytics segment? We had Grundler's numbers, Grundler's never lie, and safety in Grundler's and the winner with a 66% vote is Grundler's Numbers. That is staying is. the name Grundler's of the segment. Numbers. Uh, also, right. our quick Go question. Uh, gosh, so, <laughs> what's your go-to Oktoberfest beer? Uh, if I lived there, it would be Free State. That's fantastic. Getting published. And uh, here's another oh, one. Who said what's that? Your- Do we know who said that? Uh, that, I'm not going to tell you who that is. Oh, I'm okay. just kidding. It was it was Big DZ David Farrell. Oh, uh, right. And then what's your go-to Oktoberfest beer? <laughs> From Hot Take Mondo, we have Hunter Renfro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's getting published as well. I love it. Uh, thank you for those responses, ladies and gentlemen. Keep an eye out for this week's question and this week's poll. And interact. Maybe we should have some sort of incentive. Maybe we pick one random lucky person who uh, interacts with us to get a giveaway this week. Whoa. What do we want to give away? We give away some beer? We'll give away something nice. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll talk to him. All right. So, yeah. So, even more incentive. I know I know. we have some viewers in Germany. We got some viewers. Uh, uh, um, I don't know where else. I think we have like four or five countries that we get like random one or two views from. So go ahead and give us a comment. Maybe we'll maybe we'll send some stuff to you. Yeah, man. I, I know at one point we had someone from like Nicaragua or something like that. I'm like, all right, very cool. I dig that. Yeah, we, we had like one person 
not even from Germany, just somewhere random where like you and I don't know anybody from. Yep. And they were consistently listening to the podcast. And I was like, this is amazing. Or like, I like the Philippines or something. I don't remember, but shout out to whoever that was. Go ahead and comment on Spotify. Let's, let's hear who you are. Let's hear your story. Mr. Worldwide. Speaking about Mr. Worldwide, Patrick Mahomes, Mr. Worldwide, Travis Kelsey, Mr. Worldwide, Andy Reid, Mr. Worldwide, who apparently set up Tra- um, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, according to him. Um, they can't be stopped, Reese. They cannot be stopped. They won 41-10 to against the Chicago Bears, who are just collapsing on themselves. Uh, we don't know the details of what happened um, the week prior to that game, but we know that their their DC, Allen Williams, was let go. Uh, Luke Getze now running the play uh, the playbook when it comes to the defense. Sorry, not Luke Getze. We have Matt Eberflus now running the, uh, the defensive play calling um, in Chicago. We have, you know, Justin Fields saying maybe it's a coaching problem when we talk about Luke Getze. Um, then he's then they all say that they're going to play that um, Justin Fields is going to play more free in this offense. Uh, but Reese, I don't think we saw that on Sunday. So why don't we go back and forth? Let's talk about this game. What are some takeaways that we can take, either good or bad, from this beatdown, forty-one to ten? Uh, to quote Ice-T on Rick and Morty, good coaching, bad coaching, a bad quarterback's a bad quarterback. Uh, <laughs> dude, <laughs> I don't know if I have ever seen a quarterback who's playing more broken than Justin Fields right now. I'm not going to lie. 11 for 22 for 99 yards with over half of those coming like in garbage time fourth quarter. Woof. Yeah. yeah, woof indeed. That's not good. Uh, but, dude, the rest of the Bears are... It's a bad situation in Chicago right now. That's all I'm taking away from this game. <laughs> Besides the fact that I will say, we talked about this. When was the last time the Chiefs definitively laid the smack down on a team? Like there was a, it was a no doubt game. Yeah, Reese, I was trying to answer that question in my head. I was thinking of week one last year against the Cardinals where we did blow them out, but that was in the fourth quarter. It was still kind of close between uh, the first and second quarter. Reese, do you remember the, the 2021 game? I know um, our, our analytics guy, Will Grunner, alluded to the Raiders game in 2021 when we blew them out. But was that a complete blowout? Uh, no, you know, I, I pulled that game up and it, not for a lack of trying. Like, thank you so much for, for pulling that nugget up. That was, it ended up 41-14. But like, I'm going to be picky here. It was like 12 minutes, at the 12 minute mark in the third quarter, it was 17-14 Chiefs. The Raiders had just scored. At third quarter, Third quarter. And by the end of the third quarter, yeah, it was 27-14. You know, that's a touchdown to stop and another touchdown away from being a game still. I wouldn't call that a no doubt blowout. Um, yeah, I mean, no, no doubt blow it is quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, quarter four, where we're just, we're cruising. I mean, I'm going back to like the Alex Smith years here. I know one for sure would, would wow. be the, 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 what do you say, the decibel record setting night against the Patriots. We blew them out pretty bad. But I mean, Andy just doesn't blow teams out. He goes up two touchdowns, 17 points, and he's like, all right, this is coast. 
It was like, do we have to? Can't we have games like this where we just curb stomp them and leave no doubt in their minds? That's going to be good for like our mojo too, right? Yeah, and well, a- another theme is not only the Andy Reid playbook, but it's our defense, right? Like there are points where, you know, Patrick is going toe-to-toe with, you know, the Chargers, going toe-to-toe with the Raiders, um, but Patrick has to go toe-to-toe because our defense can't stop anybody. Yeah. And I mean, I... Again, this game can't be the barometer for our defense because they play Justin Fields in one of the worst offenses in the NFL. But we've played bad offenses before, right? We like we aren't good against good offenses and we're not good against bad offenses. But now we're seeing this trend in the past three weeks, Reese, where this defense looks pretty good, right? Looked great against the Jags, looked pretty solid, you know, decent against the Lions, and then just uh, absolutely obliterate this Bears offense so reese i think not only do we have to say you know that the andy reed playbook is maybe less conservative but also this defense looks good man i don't really have a lot bad to say about this defense in the past three weeks defense does look really good i'm gonna jump to that in just a second i did look this up really quick the last game i would say was a no doubt blowout was the 2014 game against the pats it was 27 to 7 <laughs> at the end of the third quarter. We wound up winning 41 14. So, nine years ago, Reese, is the last time we can say this. Tom happened. Brady was playing and he got pulled. And Alex Smith was our starting quarterback. Oh my gosh. Wow. Who was our running back? Is that Niall Davis? Oh my gosh. What? Niall Davis was our starting running back. Three carries, 18 yards. Well, some things never change. But, dude, they even have a... a oh, wait. What am I looking... No, sorry. I pulled up the wrong screen. It is Niall Davis. Yeah, but uh, Kelsey was our leading receiver. Eight receptions, 93 nice. yards. Kelsey even have 1,000 yards receiving in 2014? 14, 15, 16, 17, he did, didn't he? No, I, I, I don't think he did. His streaks... He's on, what, a seven-year streak right now? No, I think more. More! Uh, more. We'll, we'll look that up. This is a... That's yeah, another yeah, one for yeah. a later game. But anyway, blowouts, our defense looking really good. Now, I know we haven't necessarily played any high-powered offenses this year. You know, I still think that the Lions are streaky with Goff, and they're kind of mid as a team overall. The Jaguars have weapons, but I would not call that a – I would call it an efficient, capable offense, but I wouldn't call it a high-powered offense. Uh, I don't even know when the first high-powered offense we're going to see is. Probably the Eagles. No, the Chargers. We'll see the Chargers. Uh, Chargers do have a lot of weapons. We, we play the Dolphins in Germany on November 5th. So, But again, like I, I don't know if we can even put that as a barometer because it's, you know, in Germany, the jet lag, all those games, none of them, like, it's like, you know... Um, Percy Jackson the fourth has 400 yards rushing and we don't know <laughs> sorry I just thought of a random name um and they're just random people that go off and there's no consistency from those Munich games I just I mean maybe maybe I'm wrong maybe it's going to be a shootout it's going to be 45 to 47 and it's going to be a, a wonderful game but I just have this bad feeling Reese it's going to be like 12 to 7 and Jared McKinnon is going to you know have three touchdowns yeah dude Niall Davis comes back and he's our leading rusher and then Niall <laughs> Rogers from Random Access Memories does the halftime show who would have thought would get two Daft Punk references in one podcast cast it's look at you when it when taylor swift comes into dude, town man. that game and the Karma. that game in the nfl is going around the world 
that's three Daft Punk references in case you're counting. <laughs> anyway, Reese, I, I, I really, yeah. So if you don't necessarily like the Chargers offense and I don't like the Munich game, the true test is probably just the Super Bowl rematch in like week seven. Yeah. No, it's very true, especially since uh, Mike Williams is going to be out for the season now for the Chargers. You know, that's right. There goes the. That's right, and 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 I and I know Keenan Allen's been playing really well, but Keenan Allen plays well because Mike Williams is you know out you know lined up outside where he can just go sneaky go into the go into the slot. But Quentin Johnson's actually been playing pretty well, so I wonder if you know Keenan Allen's numbers will stay mm-hmm. up. But a rare, like a rare, consistent three weeks from Keenan. Isn't Allen. Keenan Allen also like forty? two now or something like that yeah oh yeah yeah he's he's older and again i I think um him playing in the slot you know allows him to play a little longer shorter routes um doesn't have to extend the play like someone like mike williams or quinn quinn johnston but yeah no he's old so it's it's impressive he's doing well but i just don't know if that's going to sustain when you don't have a mike williams let's give him some real breakdown tune on the defense uh you know it, it starts up front and george Karloftis has continued where his campaign last year left off and he already has two and a half sacks on the season and is in there on every play I mean, I think at one point I even said George Karloftis chasing down Justin Fields from behind. Give it to me. That's great. Mm-hmm. FAU still showing up on those passing downs is a great contributor his rookie season. I, I would actually say he looks better at this point in his rookie year than Karloftis did at this point in his rookie year last year. I think it's a hot take on my wow. part. Wow. Uh, but also... Yeah, no, I mean, no, no, no. That, that makes sense because... Like I said, like Karloftis never got to the quarterback, and I think Felix shows a lot more strength. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think that Karloftis was feistier yeah. and like quick, but like um, FAU just has you know he's a big body guy, but he also has a ton of energy. He's got a motor, so no, I think I think that's a solid take. Again, yeah, a couple a couple solo tackles. He played Dude, well. Mike Dana also playing out of his mind, man, because those career years oh, are undefeated, yeah, baby. Oh, big fan, big fan of Mike. Do you Dana. think Chris Jones can still get Defensive Player of the Year if he's continuing the way he's playing? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think if he averages one sack a game, which is very possible and maybe even more when again, Reese, we've talked about like the next six weeks look really good for us. I, you know, knock on wood, I don't want karma coming our way. Um, let me see. So I, I definitely need to calm down here. I'm that man. Am I ready for these next six weeks? By the way, those are all Taylor Swift references. Anyway, um, yeah, he, he could very well cook, right? All these teams, he can have two sacks a game and definitely be in the conversation, even missing those first two weeks. He looks phenomenal, Reese. Yeah, he looks better than I ever thought he would, to be honest. So it's you know it's making it difficult now. It's like, hey, if we were able to give you some sort of bag for like two <sighs> more years, maybe three more years, would you promise you wouldn't start sandbagging on your end since you got paid? Because the last two contract years is when he's really shown out. So it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, maybe we could find a way to franchise and trade it for picks. I don't even know. What I do know is this secondary, or excuse me, this linebacker core. Dude, let's give a shout out here to offseason pickup Drew Tranquil getting that green Drew dot Tranquil, baby. with uh, Nick Bolden sideline this week. Dude, they mm-hmm. gave him that mic roll and he just took over. He was directing people. He, It's, it's incredible, man. I'm not going to say we have a top linebacker core. But I don't think it's too crazy to say we got top five to top ten linebacker core. When you say Drew Tranquil, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., and also uh, Leo, Leo Chennault, thank you, from Wisconsin, who they are finally finding 
his roles for, which we were saying last yep. season, put him at the edge as a standing linebacker, take the collar off the dog, and let him go ham. And guess what he's doing? Right. Dude, he's an athletic freak, and he's, his coverage skills have improved as well. I still wouldn't want to put him in coverage on a whole bunch of tight ends, but I wouldn't say he's now moved from the point where he's no longer a coverage liability that they're targeting. It's like he's competent in coverage. So, dude, I'm a Big Ten guy. I love me some linebackers. And I got to tell you what, we got, we got, what's this? What's this? I'm, I'm eating a W with an extra thumb because we got four linebackers that are good. I've, I've, I've seen Reese do a lot of weird things, but having him do whatever he just did to make that W sign, but also have four fingers up, that was that that was definitely top three weirdest things Reese has ever done. Love Dude, it. I'm dexterous like that. Dexterous lab. All right, anyway. Anyway, yeah, absolutely. If 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 our Kansas City fans go back to the receipts, we have the the Chargers. I think the very last Chargers game, Chargers Chiefs, when Drew Tranquil was on the Chargers, he had like ten tackles that game. And you and I talked about Drew Tranquil for a good like ten minutes, talking about how amazing like he was. And people want to talk about J.C. Jackson, want to talk about Derwin James, um, but but you and I like were like, yeah, no, this dude really stood out to us. He really, you know depleted our run game uh which was already depleted at that point um so yeah the the pickup i knew man was going to be significant and they're finding ways to put him in of course we have um the injury of bolton and that's the reason why you know tranquil's in right now but of course after this when bolton's back you know we, we're gonna see some room um in this linebacker room for drew tranquil and leo chenault is the perfect um is is the perfect Spags guy, Reese? Like you said, unleashing the dog. What does what does Spags like to do? He likes to unleash those dogs. He likes to rush, you know, five six. So having Leo Chenault there, it's just the perfect combination. These guys still one of the youngest defensive um, teams in the league, Reese. We were we were third last year, and I forget what we are this year, but still a very young team and just peaking at the perfect time again i won't say this is the barometer this we shouldn't judge this defense based on today um but we saw a lot of good things a lot a lot of good things why don't we stay on the defense i, I just want to to shout out our boy trent mcduffie playing incredibly well as well poking out that fumble has five tackles and trent um also we saw a great showing from legeria snee that was on dj moore for most of the game until the end but these guys are sticky man i talked about this last week and i'm gonna keep it going they look great against maybe these aren't great offenses reese but these are athletic wide receivers right zay jones um on the jags calvin ridley chase claypool dj moore maybe these aren't cohesive units but these dudes are freaks they're fast did you see that one where chase claypool had his hand up it looked like he was gonna you know um he, he was gonna like go for the yard but then who was it i think it was i think it was joshua yeah it was joshua williams caught up to claypool and makes the you know makes the pat down i mean these corners man i'm just so thankful as a chiefs fan when you and i for years were just like will anything ever happen Will we ever be able to guard these wide receivers that are randos? And now we're not only guarding the randos, but we're we're guarding these these freaks, man. 
we're ready to roll. It really goes to show what that 2022 draft class did and why I think it's probably one of the more underrated draft classes in NFL history. I'm not saying that, you know, we're loaded with Hall of Famers from that draft class. But the fact that you picked up what appear to be at this point so many year one impact players. We had 40% of our snaps taken by rookies last year in the Super Bowl, which is unheard of. So year one contributors who at the very least appear to be plus end of the average spectrum starters their second year is incredible. And all that speaks to like the linebacker depth, like you were saying in the secondary, be it safety, be it corner, whatever. We finally have depth. We're not like one deep where Willie Gay Jr. goes out and like Darius Harris or Dorian O'Daniel comes in. Bo, 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 Pete, Bo Keys. Pete Keys. Or if Brian Cook goes down, it's now like, oh crap, now they're going to put Sorensen out there and they're going to get the itch to leave him out there for like another three weeks. No, we got guys that can come in that can rotate on a play-by-play basis and be like, yeah, I trust this guy being on the field right now. I think if it's third and long, I don't think there's a single guy that's like, I'm just going to keep picking on this scrub because I know that my guy is going to get open on him. Right. The old Tom Brady way. And Justin Herbert. And Joe Burrow. Um, Yeah. And Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Praying, praying for Joe Burrow. Good, good, good luck, man. I'd, how, dude? How they how they won that game last night? Anyway, that, that's that another pockets for another day. Game. But 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 Jamar Chase is back and he's on my dynasty team. So hell yeah. <laughs> nah, dude. Forget that noise. <laughs> all right, all right, Reese. We we've talked about the defense enough. Why don't we crack open a beer because it is hunt for red October fast, and then we're gonna talk about the offense. Talk about Patrick Mahomes, and then we're gonna talk about Travis Kelsey because he's back, baby. Let me see if I can end with a Taylor Swift quote. He's back and he's fearless. He's bejeweled and he's delicate. doing the beer review and this is a special beer review for those that didn't listen last week we have all these swifties that are here for the first time well we're not just a regular arrowhead pride or a um or whatever else the kc sports network type of podcast we're found city sports media and we'd like to take a break from chief's content and crack open a beer and review it together but this is a special time because it is hunt for red october fest getting close which means that we <laughs> which means that we are going to review specifically october fest beers so reese has a beer for us today that he is going to review and reese what beer is that today well Armando, i think it's only fair to start this with a, a story and uh this is actually some breaking news so oh now those of you who have been with us since the beginning will know this podcast is uh founded on the fact of life is better and victory more sweet and loss less bitter with good beer and good friends. And uh, Armando and I were both part of the beer industry when we started this podcast, Armando at Weldworks, uh, myself, Boulevard Brewing Company. Uh, We both since moved on to uh, other jobs, but it is at this time I am happy to announce and exclaim that uh, I have made my intentions clear that I am taking the shoes out of the locker. I am officially back in the beer game as a member of the one and only City Barrel Brewing Company. What? 
Are you being serious? I'm dead serious as, as this hat on my head. Did you not just see my like high school team picking ceremony thing? <laughs> this is breaking news for Armando. You didn't even like tell me what's going on. Wait, what What do you mean you're a part of the City Barrel team? Explain. So uh, I will be working uh, tasting events for City Barrel, you know, when uh, there's local beer fests or fundraisers and stuff like that. So I uh, worked my first one just last week. We went out to... Uh, I forget what they called. It's like Kansas City Clay Society out in Waldo. Uh, they were having a, a donor fundraiser evening, so we went out there and we sampled some fine beers. And I have to say, I'm super excited because they've been on this podcast before millions of times. Love their stuff. One of the realest breweries in the game. One of my favorites in Kansas City. And I'm happy to be contributing to the squad. That's amazing. Congratulations, Reese. That's cool. Reese is back in the Kansas City game. And not only back in the game, but one of the hottest breweries, the most trending breweries in Kansas City. Not only because it's in a great location, but the beers that they make are just one of a kind. And we're not even like hyping it up. They've won medals at GABF. They've won for Rad AF. They've won for other things as well. Um, this is great news for us, man. This is wonderful. Congratulations, Reese. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm very stoked. And, uh, you know, I think it's only fair in this instance and bias on my part to crack open a delicious City Barrel Oktoberfest in oh, celebration. Let's go. Oh, yeah. All right. So for those of you that are following along at home, we rate these beers in different categories uh, and each category from zero to ten. Zero being the worst of the category, ten being the best of the category. And the first category is going to be appearance. So Reese right now is pouring that tall boy into a beautiful tulip class. Oh, look at that. Um, so Reese, tell us about the appearance of that beer. Oh, prost, baby. I got a nice about inch and a half head on here. Very foamy. That's perfect. Thank you very much. That's like out of a, that's out of like Nat Geographic right there. Oh, dude, National National Geographic of pores, baby. Uh, it's a very clean beer. You can not see everything through, but you can make out the shapes of my computer screen behind it. Uh, nice. A little bit of carbonation action going on in that beer. I believe that, yep, this is a Meritson style beer, so it's got that kind of nice light caramel hue to it. Uh, not as dark as some other Meritsons I've seen, which is totally fine, because personally, I think Meritsons have a tendency to get on a little, little bit on the sweet side, personally. So mm. not having this be too dark uh, indicates, hopefully, that it's not going to be too sweet of a beer. So appearance on that, I think it's a good looking Meritson, ladies and gentlemen, 8.7. Ooh. 8.7 that's right yeah i know that the translucent the translucency is perfect on that we talked about in comparison to like i have my i still have my oktoberfest merits in like this is so much darker than what you just showed me um so we love that translucency dude i have to get me a stein that's not a moscrew stemmen because I've, I've got one of those you know giant steins but i need that polliner size that you got going on right there Polliner baby so yeah man i'll i'll, I'll find you some Right. Um, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Um, oh, yes. Yeah, second category. We have. Um, nope, we don't have that. Sorry, I'm thinking of it right now. Aroma. We got aroma, Reese. <laughs> Take uh, have have a sniff of that beer and let us know what what do you smell on that on the Meriton? Uh Definitely get a whole lot of malt on here. Actually, a little bit of coffee notes, kind of a little bit of coffee and chocolate. Sweet caramel scent, but not too much. 
little bit of earthiness, but overall, it's a it's a very mild smelling beer that still smells very drinkable. One more sniff. Yeah, man. Looks like a duck. Smells like a Meritson. So I'm going to give this uh, an 8 point, another 8.7 for Aroma. All right. 8.7 on Aroma. And then we have our favorite category, Reese. That's flavor. Take a sip of that beer and let us know. What does it taste like? Ooh, she good. She good, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the thing I like about this beer so much... Is that yes, it's a Meritson style lager. It's obviously a lager, but it's one that drinks like a lager. I think getting back to what I was saying earlier, there are some Meritsons that I have that almost drink too much like uh, a brown ale or an amber. So not necessarily hitting the same nose, getting a little bit more of a sweetness in there. This has that kind of je ne sais quoi that, you know, lagers have that sort of uh, bittery back to it. That complements kind of the the crackery malt front on it. So I think this is a well-balanced Oktoberfest flavor-wise. I'm going to take one more sip, and then I'll shut up. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. This is probably one of, and I mean mean this in the best way possible, like one of the best uh, non-of-the-country Meritsons I've had in my life, so like USA Meritsons as opposed to, you know, like shipped straight over from Germany Meritsons, so it's very authentic. Uh, I'm going to give this a 9.2 on flavor. Oh my goodness, 9.2, Reese. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, <laughs> City Barrel is playing ball in America when it comes to Oktoberfest beers. Wow, Dude. I gotta, gotta try me some of that. Then. They really are. I, I think one, one last thing I'll add on. When I'm in Omaha, can I get City Barrel in Omaha? No, uh, to the best of my knowledge, they distribute out in Kansas City. And I think if you like, I don't know, it depends how far some of those burbs are you consider Kansas City. I think, you know, they're like out in like maybe Belton or something like that. But now they're Mm -hmm. they're a Kansas City product uh, currently only available in Kansas City. But I mean, who knows? You know, breweries, breweries blowing up. Maybe one day they'll they'll get out in other places. That's great, man. Wow. High remarks for flavor, and I don't doubt it. And again, check the receipts. City Barrel's, City Barrel's winning awards left and right. So, mm-hmm. amen. And then we got Mouthfeel, Reese. Give us a, give us a little swish of that. What do we got? Is it a little uh, little heavier? Is it maybe a little lighter? Maybe a little bit of both? This is another one I like about this, is that the mouthfeel is actually really clean, really light. I get a little bit of uh, hobby bitterness in the sides of my tongue, which I'm totally fine with this style of beer. It's very easy to drink. The dangerous thing about this beer is that if you did put this in a giant, whatever it is, like a liter and a half Moskrug Stemmen, it would go down very easy. So very dangerous mouthfeel and drinkability on this. I'm going to give it a, a, again, another probably like nine for mouthfeel. All right. Pretty sweet, solid. Wow. Really solid remarks across the board. And then let's end it then, Reese, with our favorite category, Stonk's Drinkability Quotient. How awesome is this beer? What makes it unique? What makes it stonkable? Uh, What makes this beer stonkable is the fact that overall, this is just a very drinkable beer. There's so many things going for it. I think one of the biggest things is that I don't really have to go digging for the flavor 
I've had some Meritsons in the past, like domestic Meritsons in the past, that it's kind of like, yeah, you know, once it warms up, I can start getting some flavor or, you know, you have some sips, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting, you know, a bit of caramel note here, a little bit of like, you know, popcorn ballish type flavors, good things. But this one, which, like I said, is kind of a calling card of a lot of the like international Meritsons or Festers I've had over here, is that like the flavor is apparent right away. And I mm-hmm. really appreciate that. I really appreciate the drinkability of this because part of the Oktoberfest, while we do condone or we wait, don't condone, while we do recommend drinking in moderation on this podcast, Part of the Oktoberfest tradition, you know, is people with their, you know, snines and, you know, swinging and beer songs and a little bit more of a libation is, you know, part of the celebration. Absolutely. So I just think there's a lot of authentic things going on in this beer between flavor and drinkability. So Stonk's drinkability quotient on this, it's going to be 9.3. Ooh, oh my goodness. We got nines. We got a few eights, but pretty much across the board. Reese, if we are to compare this... I don't think I reviewed the Bierstadt Oktoberfest beer. That was just something that I did on my own. So on things that we've reviewed, Reese, are we going to say this is the best Oktoberfest beer we've put on the podcast to date? That we've put on the podcast to date, I think it's very likely. I'll have to go back and listen to the last few years Hunt for Red Oktoberfest episodes and see what those beer reviews have to say. But I can say pretty definitively that you know, this is definitely up there for my favorite Oktoberfest merits and beers I've ever had. So, wow, yeah, giving him a shout out. Let's put it. Let's put it up there because I don't think I did the beer shot one, and I think I had Wibby's Oktoberfest, which was good, but I, I don't think I gave it as high remarks as you are giving City Barrel. And have we done Free States Oktoberfest on this podcast before? Uh, maybe you have, but I have not drank that because that's another one that, like, yeah, Free State has a very good Oktoberfest. Like, don't get me wrong, but really, I mean, hmm. the, fa- I know that. the fact that, like, I feel like I'm more blown away by it, you know, I don't know. This is a fantastic beer. I'm not here to like play <laughs> apples and oranges and be like that guy. Uh, talking about this beer, this is a great beer. If you want to put this on Mount Crushmore, I'll bring you a can when I see you in Omaha. Let's do it. All right. Put a put a can of it. We'll uh, we will table this conversation, uh, but looks like it's at least going to be on the summit, and if not, the best of its style that we've had on this podcast, and we've reviewed quite a few beers. So shout out to City Barrel, and congratulations for Reese for now being a part of the City Barrel team. Um, a lot of great stuff happening over there, and boy, they're just getting started, especially with Referees or whatever your Taylor Swift uh, nickname is now. Redferees. <laughs> Redferees. Robert Redford. <laughs> There we go. And that was our edition of Hunt for Red Oktoberfest. And now we're going to end the podcast and talk about the offense of Kansas City, specifically Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. We'll see you on the flippy flop. back hello swifties should i say um hello ladies and gentlemen swifties we are back yeah, i mean yeah sure why not from now on hey as long as as long as they're dating i'll just keep it going so we can get we can get those likes get those follows travis kelsey just got three hundred thousand new followers yesterday i'm not surprised so, I mean, like can i can i get a hundred can i get i don't know can we can we get like 40 new followers i mean if we're, if we're being honest right now like taylor swift is 
probably a top five famous person in America right now, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, undoubtedly, not top three. Yeah, because like, who who would you say is who? more famous than Taylor Swift? I don't know. Le- uh, not even LeBron James. No, Taylor's no. more famous than LeBron. Maybe, maybe like probably more famous than any sports person. So maybe The Rock. Maybe. Yeah, even then, yes, he's kind of he's kind of niche. Um, no, I mean Swift. I mean Swifty might even surpass Beyonce at this point too. Well, I mean Beyonce didn't have, she didn't sell out her Arrowhead concert right away. Really? I don't know that. Although, I think part of that has to do with the fact that I think there's a lot of overlap in the fan bases. And my guess is a lot of those fans already shot their cash wad uh, getting Taylor Swift tickets. You know, so it's right. kind of like, well, they can't afford another $600 ticket. She's got to be. Yeah. No, she's got to be the most famous now. I think so. Yeah, she's right up there. So what if what if I just start follow? What if I just go on her Instagram and just start following people? from her Instagram and see if we get followbacks. I mean, dude, that's one way to do it, but they have to answer the poll. That's that's part of the thing. <laughs> what if we made a Taylor Swift related poll? I mean, dude, it's like, you know. Oh, uh, dude, we, we are going to go full TMZKC. But before we go full TMZKC, let's talk about some offense, Reese. Uh, before we get to the good stuff, let's talk about the bad stuff. Uh, Reese, again, we have this crusade, this vendetta against Jawan Taylor. Um, looks like Reese might have some stats for us or some comments that he wants to say. So we did have ready for it, Reese, ready for it, question mark, Reese, which is our Swifty Reese. But now we got to put a different cap on Reese. We got referees. He's back. Referees, the floor is yours. What is going on with Juwan Taylor versus the NFL? So I said a lot of things last week, particularly as they pertain to Juwan Taylor and this continual witch hunt of what is an illegal formation penalty, his setting up, his early first step, all this stuff brought on by Chris Collinsworth running his mouth in week one. And a lot of people said, Reese, you're just a hater. He didn't play well. He deserved those flags anyway. And it's like, you know what? Maybe he did deserve those flags. But you know what else? There's a bunch of other right and left tackles across this league also deserving those flags. In fact, if you go to the Chiefs subreddit right now, there's just like a myriad of photos of like defenses lining up. And and, and they're like, that's practically a flying V formation. What's the big deal? So the big deal is that in this game, Mahomes throws a beautiful touchdown pass to a wide open MVS that blows this game up even more. But the officials call it back for illegal formation. And when they go back and show it on the screen, Greg Olson's like, yeah, here's what the referees are looking at for. So his head has to be in line with the belt. Um, I don't actually know what they're looking at on this one. And you know what's even funnier <laughs> is that on that play, our left tackle is actually lined up farther back than Jawan Taylor is on that one. So it's like just super obvious that they're keying in on Juwan Taylor and just like, we're going to keep this guy under microscope. I I honestly wonder if the league is like, hey, guess what? You know, we're not putting a bounty on this, but like there's an extra $100 in your paycheck for yeah. when you identify illegal formation. And who is it easier to identify illegal formation on than the guy they sent out as the only guy in their reels of illegal formation? The big thing is... So they call back the touchdown, which in a game that was this big of a blowout sucks, but it's not the end of the world. But on the very next play, that should be a PAT attempt. Mahomes has to trot out there, and he gets his ankle rolled up by Yannick Ngakwe, 
who again was mm-hmm. blocked, but then he like falls backwards and rolls into Pat. And it's like that injury literally wouldn't have happened if the officials had done their job and Chris Collinsworth had known his role and shut his mouth. Thank you, Travis Kelsey, for that quote. But that made me so furious when that happened. So furious. I actually didn't even put two and two together that that was uh, a result of a Juwan Taylor flag. And then we have the rolled ankle of Patrick. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if this Patrick, or sorry, if this, yeah, if this Patrick injury becomes something of significance, then uh yeah they're gonna they're there's gonna be hell to pay right especially because we have this vendetta against Juwan. you saw the thing that i posted as well so so they take Juwan out of the game as well as pat um and they have his backup lining up exactly the same way that Juwan is lining up but none of them were being called and i really think that might be the game changer because now andy reed has film that he can give to roger goodell and say look i purposefully put them in the exact same location the exact same formation with their head whatever it's supposed to be whatever the rules are and you guys didn't call it i mean it's blatant you know blatant witch hunting for juan taylor because it's he's an easy target right he's an easy target after week one everyone everyone was watching that thursday night game um so hopefully you know behind the scenes andy reed has you know developed this tape he sent it over to the league and said hey look if you guys are going to call it on them, you're only going to call it on Juwan, then we're going to start raising the alarm. So I'm hoping after week three, Reese, we're going to see a change in these refs. Here's the tricky thing, is that if you send a tape like that to people like Goodell or people in charge, they're not going to say, oh, my bad, let's get better. They're going to be like, no, destroy that tape, you're totally wrong, and if anything, we're going to double down on you now, because that's how pettiness works. However, if they did leak that to like the media or something like that and then started like running with it, you know, getting that dispersed across different outlets where it's like, this is a witch hunt, then maybe in that case, the league will have no choice but to answer. My big thing is, in press conferences this week, Mahomes and Reed have both outright said like, this is getting ridiculous. And they're talking about specifically how like, yeah, you know, he's not lining up any farther back than like any other right tackle, left tackle across this league. They're just seemingly calling it on him specifically. And this isn't, you know, like, aw shucks kind of pat me like, yeah, you know, but we kind of play through it. And, and, you know, this isn't Andy Reid, you know, with one of his cheeseburger euphemisms or something like that. If you watch their quotes as opposed to just reading them, they're both very fed up and understandably so. Yeah, and 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 that's why I think Reese. If like if Andy is the one again, I'm. This is pure speculation. I have no evidence for what I'm about to say. But if Andy is the one that's talking to Roger Goodell, that's why I feel like there is going to be some sort of formality and maybe some sort of friendship there. Not that that they're they're friends, but there's an obvious respect. And Andy's never gone on a you know a full tirade on the league. So I feel if it's just you know between Andy and between Roger, say hey look look what happened on this play you know pat rolls his ankle you see what i'm seeing let's figure something out if you're if you're not going to call it on anybody else don't call it on Jawan. if you're going to call on Jawan, call it on lane johnson call it on that that philly offense here's the big thing here's some stats for you cold heart stats literally only one other tackle has been called for an illegal formation penalty this year there are 13 other instances of illegal formation being called albeit illegal formation on the offense this season, but not specifically calling out a player or position. That being said, out of 22 times it has been called overall, 
16 have been counted, 6 were declined. 5 have been on skill position players, 13 have been on unnamed players or offense. 1 has been on a tackle, not on the Chiefs, and 3 have specifically been to Jawan Taylor. Wow. Yeah, that's that's I mean that is blatant targeting, you know, one specific player because of the way he stands. I mean, he's a big guy too, really easy to look from the eye test not only for officials but for the the casual fan like Collinsworth. Ah, hot take. So yeah, Reese, this is an issue. Hopefully it gets resolved. Reese, we brought up the uh the Patrick Mahomes ankle rolling. How concerned are you about that ankle roll? So, I'm slightly encouraged for a few things. One, Pat went out there and finished the drive and then came out and did the first drive in the second half. And yeah, he looked a little ginger, but it didn't look like he was completely immobile. After the game, Pat said, yeah, my ankle's fine, but we also know Pat's a tough guy. The other thing is, Reed came out this week in a press conference and said he got, I don't think he said he got lucky, but he described it as there's multiple different kinds of ways to get a sprained ankle. This one he said was more of a basketball sprain. So my guess is, without knowing the actual bones, it's probably a lower ankle sprain, kind of like when you get when you land wrong after taking a jump shot, which would be good. But the downside is, this is the same ankle that was injured in the playoffs last year. So now that it's re-aggravated, I don't expect to see Patrick Mahomes scrambling at 100% for the rest of this season. And this is likely to get something that's going to be re-aggravated. So I know it's a physical game. I know injuries happen every play. But again, the fact that this happened on a play that literally should not have happened is disgusting. And it just makes me so furious. Yeah, I I don't really have much to add to that. And I kind of want to leave it at that like furious place. Um, But if I do divert a little bit, then Reese. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about Patrick Mahomes ankle. Um, I think I think he looked mobile enough. I don't don't think he looked hobbled or gingered actually on that last drive. Like he was he was moving in the pocket pretty well. Obviously, like right after the play happened, he was completely immobile. And I was worried at that point. Um, But it seemed like he was able to get through it. And watching the quarterback. Um, quarterback series on Netflix actually makes me pretty happy um, because they, you know, him and his trainer just like going at that ankle and absolutely doing as much rehab and as much, you know, um, what I want to say, dexterity and so much, you know, those crazy exercises that they're doing that I, I don't think this is going to change the way he you know, navigates the pocket and rushes for the entire season. You know, maybe it'll happen during this gap, Reese. We have, like I said, the next five weeks are just kind of up in the air. We should be winning these games. And maybe, you know, maybe he does back off, you know, these pressures and maybe stays in the pocket a little longer. But I think he'll have time to rehab. I trust him and his trainer. Well, and here's why it's so important for us to get this illegal formation thing sorted out post-haste is that all these casualties fans are like, oh my gosh, we paid Juwan Taylor $80 million. He's been pulled twice in the first three weeks. <laughs> you guys, do an iota of research and realize right now that Juwan Taylor is blocking in pass pro at an elite clip right now. Mahomes... And, and dude, dude is on an island. He's on an island. I think I saw a sack. Mahomes has been sacked once this year, and he's had like four QB hurries. Dude, the last thing the league wants is Mahomes to have more time in the pocket to be able to pick him apart. 
which is why I think this is partially a bit of a vindictive vendetta witch hunt wow. by the league because they know if Mahomes and this team gets any better, what chance does everybody else have? Cheat code, yeah, yeah, that, that's a really great point, Reese. Uh, but also, they also should want to take care of their superstar, right? You don't, you don't want Patrick Mahomes to be re-aggravated because then that's less money for the league. But like you said, Reese, we have Juwan Taylor, who I think was number one for the last two weeks in pass block um, by uh, PFF. So I mean, he is playing unbelievable, and we didn't think he'd play this well, right? But he is on an island. We thought we we were concerned about his size as well. You're not being mobile enough to get you know guys like Aiden Hutchinson guys like Josh Allen um, but he's playing extremely well and it's just and like you said Patrick Mahomes has time in the pocket the league is afraid that 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 the Kansas City Chiefs are getting better and Reese segueing now Travis Kelsey looked great man Travis Kelsey finding finding places in um in zone coverage in that soft coverage that he wasn't finding uh with the Jags was still hobbled but man that looked like vintage Kelsey and like you said you have time in the pocket you have time for the play to break down and for Kelsey to find space in a zone read like dude good good freaking luck Raiders good freaking luck um who else uh, Vikings right in a couple weeks I mean this looks great man vintage is the word I would use for it too I mean it was seven receptions 69 yards and one touchdown and that's after basically not playing all of the second half uh right. no Kel- Kelsey looks back he his speed looked back his finding spots in soft zone coverage were back his red zone ability was back Travis Kelsey looked good uh, the only thing I'm worried about with Kelsey right now is that through three games Taylor of the Swift. season, no, through three games of the season, <laughs> he only has 95 yards. Now, knowing, I don't know, knowing this is about approximately how many, what is that, an eighth of the season? No, not an eighth, a fifth of the season, give or take, a sixth, we'll call it a sixth of the season. So right now he's probably on pace for close to about 550, 600 yards. So I am still concerned that this might be the year that his 1,000-yard streak gets broken. But statistics would say it has to get broken eventually, right? Yeah, I don't I don't know, Reese. I, 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 I think those two first weeks were an enigma because of the injuries, obviously. Um, but if we see the trend from what we saw today, and again, I'm going to keep harping on those five weeks that we have. Like a, we have the Jets, who uh, we'll we'll finish off talking about the Jets. Uh, we have a lot of other teams coming up that I think you know Kelsey could cook and he could reach that thousand mark. Then again, the Swifties and Taylor Swift can give him that extra boost to get back to where he needs to be to keep that streak alive. You are technically right. If he averages 69 yards per game over the remaining 14 games, that's 966 yards. That would put him Ooh. just over the 1,000-yard mark at about 90 or 1,000. And what is that? I can't do math. I'm too tired. 1,050 yards or something like that. So he's still on pace. He's still on track. But uh, what did you think of the other receivers in this game? 
You know, I thought, uh, you know, Sky, again, Sky Moore just he gets the job done for what he needs to do, right? He he he, he caught passes when he needed to. He just doesn't have that extra burst, but looked good. MVS, we have that blown play. Um, he looked great, and then we have our rookie man. He's making he's making a name for himself in this offense, and it is beautiful to watch. Rasheed Rice, pro- he should have had two touchdowns, um, oh. and one was called back. Right? He has he has that knee going down, but but Rasheed has that big playability and especially in the red zone right which which we've missed from guys we don't see that a lot with those smaller guys but Rasheed looks good man and I'm I'm pretty happy he's the big standout for me how about you no I totally agree with you I think more and more Rasheed Rice is kind of looking like uh when I say he kind of plays like Debo Samuel don't take this as we have a Debo Samuel (laughs) But it's the kind of guy that... We, we used to have Debo Samuel and McCole Hardman race. I think this guy is more like Debo Samuel than McCole Hardman is. Just because I think Rasheed Rice is deceptively quick. And it's the kind of thing, too, that's like he takes a five-yard slant, jukes one guy, breaks contact on the second, and by the time help comes to take him down, suddenly that five-yard slant's like a 12-yard play or more. And that just seems to be his prerogative, which... You know, if I have to cold snack take back Rashid Rice by the end of this season, I totally will. My reason being, when we drafted him, I was told he was going to be some sort of like deep ball sideline jump ball receiver, which we're not seeing Calvin yet. Johnson. Well, kind of a Calvin Johnson. But what I'm seeing is a bigger, stronger, essentially kind of like slot receiver, mid-range kind of guy, which if that's who we get, I will be overjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Going going back to our, our dissection of Rasheed Rice, we saw him at SMU being like the best one-on-one, you know, ball catcher in, in the NCAA, which we haven't seen once from him. But we're seeing great route running. We're seeing like like a like a bigger Sky Moore almost from Rasheed Rice, where he's got the length, but he also has the athleticism, which we're kind of missing from Sky. But he runs routes just as well. And like you said, he, he, he has a great yak ability, which is what we need on this team right pat will find you in the holes but can you can you have that yak right can you can you go from that quick playability and make you know seven yards out of it like isaiah pacheco does and like you know a lot of other guys on this team um so yeah i love he's trending up for me man and i I thought i thought Kadarius tony i thought justin ross were going to be the standouts of this year um and rishi's proven me wrong man i think i think he might become wide receiver one at the end of the year it's it's very very likely yeah, Sky Moore's biggest thing right now is I think he actually does a decent job of getting separation, especially in man coverage. But right now he's not good in zone, which is where Patrick feasts and which is right. Travis Kelsey's M.O. That's why Pat likes Kelsey. That's why Pat likes Rishi Rice so much is that they find soft spots in the zone. I will say in this game, I think Moore did a great job of finding soft spots into the zone, almost to the point that I'm like, did you just watch film of somebody that you haven't watched film of before and decided to try this out? But albeit it's <laughs> like Tyreek Hill, it's like Tyreek Hill. But albeit it's the Bears, so you can't really say was he finding soft spots in zone or was it just like True. a really bad defense he played against? Uh, but and it's not like it's not even a bad de- like it is a bad defense on on like stat wise. But on paper, this should be a good defense. Like Ngakwe, um, Tra- Traymon Edmonds, like these are these are these are superstar players. I don't understand what's going on with this defense. I, I don't either. Uh, one last shout out I want to give though is to Justin Watson, who very quietly had two receptions for fifty one yards 
Although it feels like he was dialed up far more than that because I think he is starting to slowly turn into that guy that everyone's like, oh, he's not that fast. He's not that athletic. They kind of sleep on him, and that split second is all he needs to get that separation, and Pat trusts throwing it to him. So he's currently our leading receiver by yards after three weeks. Wow. Which is funny because I think I may have been one of the guys clamoring to cut him during training camp, but, you know. How dare you? Dude, how dare I? So a little bit of hope from the receiving core. I'm going to need to see him do an outing like this against a team with a better defense and a pulse like the Jets at the very least. So remains to be seen, but I would say trending up. Yeah, I love Justin Watson. Again, when he he got signed, you know, and I knew that he was Tom Brady's boy, and Tom Brady was like, "Man, we lost Justin Watson." I was like, "Yeah, there's something in this guy," and he is our he is our Swiss Army knife, man. I I I make fun of Hunter Renfro now, but he really is our Hunter Renfro. Like he really is that dude that's gonna make a play. That's gonna be you know he's he's making the routes, and and Pat found him on that spectacular play, which is overshadowed by all the you know Tua plays that we're seeing this week. No one's talking about that beautiful play, like in coverage, um, you know, packets smashed, but just puts it in the bread basket on the right side, like Willie Mays style. It's just beautiful, man. Love, love Justin Watson stock. Uh, Reese, you just talked about the Jets. Why don't we end it with some Grundler's numbers um, to preview the Jets? So uh, we have Grundler that was talking about the Jets defense and actually how they play against tight ends. And let me read something for you here. Um Let's see. Continuing the trend from last year, the Jets' first tight ends have allowed 1,339 yards, which is the sixth worst in the NFL. They've also allowed 94 receptions, which is which was the fifth worst. And then if we're thinking in fantasy numbers, 7.9 fantasy points, which was the 11th worst. So even though the Jets have you know a pretty good um, stalwart of cornerbacks, it seems like when it comes to covering the tight end, that can be their Achilles heel and who do we have we have the best tight end in NFL history and someone who is you know recovering from injury and recovering well so Reese what do you think um what do you think this uh, Jets Chiefs preview is gonna look like man it's tricky to say I, I hate to be this guy because he seems like a good guy and a good coach but like are we sure Robert Sala is actually this defensive mastermind? Whoa. Well, I mean, I, I just say it because it seems to like everyone that's been under Shanahan, you know, winds up being a good coordinator. Is like, is Shanahan like the defensive coordinator whisperer the way that like Andy is the offensive coordinator whisperer? So it's like, are they really good or are they really just under Kyle Shanahan? Wow. Um, I'm going to say, like, I love Robert Sala. And I think Robert Sala, um, I mean, look, week week one against the Bills, they beat the Bills. They hold the Bills to 16. Yes, they lost to the Cowboys. The Cowboys, like, put their number on them. Um, I think this Cowboys offense is better than what people might say. I know they lost to the Arizona. Um, But again, like, if Dak Dak is cooking with, you know, Tony Pollard, he's cooking with Schultz, he's cooking with um, CeeDee Lamb, like, these are good players. Like, maybe it's not a a cohesive team, but, like, if any of those guys start cooking, like, it could be a good uh, game. And then look at the... The uh, the uh, Patriots game from last week. Patriots only scored 15 points. It's just they weren't scoring. Patriots are so I, I, sorry. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> yeah, fif, fif, <laughs> they, they're bad, dude. 
I know, I know. But look, they they, they only held him to 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 two scores, right? Like yeah. two touch. I don't even know if it was two touchdowns. Um, so I'm gonna say I still like Robert Sala. I think I think I think that Jets D is good, um, but not to say that we're not gonna score on them. So if you so if you think that Sala is not good, then what what do you think the score is gonna look like for us next week? Well, not that he's not good. It was mostly a question that you know. So if we decide he's a good... Is he not a guru is what you're saying? Well, yeah, is he not a guru? If we decide he is a good defensive coordinator, that's then I, possible. I expect him to scheme something up that's going to be like, take Kelsey out of this game and let literally anybody else in that team beat us. Because that's kind of like good defensive coordinator's prerogatives, right? Like they ran that against us for years when we had Hill and Kelsey <laughs> and Watkins wasn't available, right. where it's like literally anyone on that team, let Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson beat us. I dare you. Uh, you know, I, I think one thing that's going to be huge on this game is that I am not worried about a quick strike Jets team over three games. Uh, I'm trying to do the math here. They're averaging about, what, uh, 12, 13 points a game, give or take. So yeah. this isn't a high-flying offense. I expect our defense to be able to keep them in check, especially Zach Wilson. Uh, so... I think a big thing is going to be establishing the run early. I think one thing that opened up the game against the Bears and really took the pressure off of the team to perform well was the fact that we came out there and we just established the run Pacheco. with Tacheco. We weren't doing anything cute being and like... McKinnon in the passing game. It, yeah, we, we used him everywhere. We used him as the featured back, and that's the only way to put it. And ultimately, he was a big part of this game plan. You know, they couldn't stop Pacheco. He was great in pass pro. He had a few key blocks thrown to save Pat's butt. He was there on, you know, quick slants, and he was there in the flats. So I think if we can just establish the run against the Jets and let Pat be opportunistic against that defense and make strikes when he sees the opportunity, I think we should hopefully come out of uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey with a solid... I'll be generous to say with our offense being as bad as it's been, I'll, I'll say a 24 to 13 win. Yeah, great. Yeah, I, I think this will be a good test for Juwan Taylor um, and for um, Devin, De, sorry, De, Devon Smith. Uh, you know, I've heard both. Donovan. I'm sorry. It's Donovan. I apologize. I don't know why I was saying Devin. Um, keep it in there. That's fine. So, yeah, I think this is a great test because that Jets D-line is elite. I think they're elite. I think they, they do a lot of great stuff on that D-line. So, I think it's going to be great. It's going to be a great test for us, at least in that front four and kind of what what is Juwan Taylor, what is Donovan Smith to us. Um, and like you said, if we can get the running game going, it's really hard to beat us. Um, so, I'm excited to see this, you know, defensive matchup against Travis Kelsey. Now, do I think it's going to be close? Absolutely not, because Zach Wilson will not score on us, Reese. I'm going to, I'm hot take Mondo. They're going to have maybe six points, and it's going to be from two field goals. There is no way in hell Zach Wilson is going to score a touchdown on this hot streak Kansas City defense. Mark my words, Reese. No freaking way is Zach Wilson going to see the end zone. It's going to be Greg Zerline that's going to kick two, you know, maybe two field goals in. So, Reese, I'm going to say, you know, maybe the first quarter is tough for Patrick Mahomes. He tries to figure it out, and then we start to figure out that defense. So, how about, how about 20? I don't even, I think maybe you said 28 as well. I'm going to say it 28 to 6. 28 to 
28-6. I'd love 28-6. 28-6, and this is the last game for Zach Wilson. I think he gets benched after this, and, and I think the uh, Jets actually try to make a move for Kirk Cousins after this game. Because if you if you listen to Robert Sala's last uh, press conference, again, you know what is the quote versus what we see from the video? The quote is, Zach Wilson is our guy, but the way he says it, Reese, it does not sound like he's the guy. I think there's a lot happening behind the scenes, and I think the Jets go for a Kirk Cousins or, you know, even a worst case, like a Carson Wentz. Well, I mean, I'm just rubbing salt in the wound here at this point, but it's like one thing that I think people are forgetting is the fact that where did Zach Wilson play college ball? BYU. Where did Andy Reid go to college, and where does he love getting dudes from? BYU. If you think he hasn't watched his fair share of Zach Wilson film even before he got into the league, dude, he is going to just psychologically pick this dude apart and he will know exactly what to throw to leave him seeing ghosts a la, what's his name, who is Josh Rosen, not Josh Rosen, uh... Josh Rosen. No, the flashback. The, Brady Quinn. No, no, no. Oh, Mark. No, Mark Sanchez. Butt fumble. No, the other guy who was a Jets quarterback like once upon a time. He went to Vinny Vinny Testaverde. No, I. Where is he even now? He's like back up to Brock Purdy in San Francisco. You know who I'm talking about? He oh, was, oh yeah. Um, yeah, USC guy. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm exhausted right now. What's his name? <laughs> Jo- it's not Josh Rosen. We're going to figure this out for this podcast. I'm holding everyone on this podcast it's Sam off. Darnold. Sam, Sam Darnold. Darnold. Thank you. Uh, how do I go from Andy Reid shutting down Zach Wilson to forgetting Sam <laughs> to Darnold's USC, name? New, Newport Beach Sam Darnold. Yeah, right? It's funny, man. Yeah, no, I, again, I don't think it's going to be any contest. It's funny that you said ghost because there is there there is a replay of Zach Wilson from last week. He just falls to the ground because he's just, he's so scared of that, that Patriots D-line. Dude, Joe Namath tore into him. Did you see that? No. Oh, my gosh. Was, was Joe sober when he said it? All I know is Joe Namath tore into him. Sorry, I don't want to. I don't, I don't ruffle feathers, but anyway, dude, Joe Namath would show up and he would just like clock you with his ring hand. I guarantee it. He's probably still got a, a mean left hook. <laughs> Reese, did we miss anything from the podcast before we head out? Yeah, Sam Darnold's name, but other than that, I think we covered just about everything. <laughs> All right, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This was this was a jam packed episode, and of course, it's jam packed because we got we got Taylor Swift moving to Kansas City next week. What if what if she just shows up in in uh, in, in Parkville? If she, mm, well, so here's why she might move to Parkville. We are equidistant between the main airport and the private downtown airport, so she could. Okay. Parkville is also kind of like the Joko of the North now, where like this is where a lot it's of true. like wealthy people are moving to and building big old houses. Also, I've heard rumor that Kelsey lives in Briarcliff, which is just down the road from Parkville. So why does he live in Briarcliff? I heard he lived in Briarcliff. Dude, have you seen Briarcliff recently? No. Oh, dude, Bri- Briarcliff oh, nice. has like oh yeah, Briarcliff has like I think legit some of the biggest mansions in Kansas City. Like there are like some seven point five million dollar houses in Briarcliff. Wow. Yeah, not messing around, dude. All there right. are people like, in Briarcliff. Like Swift's gonna be out there. He's gonna boost your price of your house, man. A boost or just buy it out from me and just be like, yeah, this is Taylor's cottage now. Get out. <laughs> 
Jay was like, why, why, why doesn't my, uh, my uh, bathroom work? What's going on in here? <laughs> There's no, why, why can't I close any doors in this house? Yeah. Right. Someone left a dog here. Oh. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, this was a fun one for me and Reese. Uh, we had a great time. If you're a new follower, if you're a Swifty trying to learn about the Kansas City Chiefs, give us a follow, give us a like, give us something on Patreon so we can start feeding you that great news. We will, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to be TMZ over here and let you know what's going on with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. But until next week, uh, check us out on social media. Give us a shout out on Patreon. Do our poll on Spotify, and we'll see you next time. And go Chiefs! Chiefs. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.